Marcheseau slides it around the rim. He's got Eichel, top of the left circle, closing in. He shoots, he scores! Jack Eichel, power play goal! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Locke looks up, taps it back to Donov in the middle, he shoots, he scores! Jubilation! Vegas in overtime! Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Hour number two, VGK Insider Show, Ryan Wallace, Chris Chatman with you on a Tuesday. The NHL Awards show has concluded, and we have big-time winners. We've got the Ted Lindsay, the Norris, and the Hart Trophy to discuss here. We've got uh, an update on the Stanley Cup Final, where the Tampa Bay Lightning are after a nice Game 3 victory over the Colorado Avalanche. We've got one-timers coming up in a little bit, as well as catching up with Chapman. But let's start this hour number two with the NHL Awards show, with the final three awards that we have not talked about yet on the air. We're going to start with the Ted Lindsay, the most outstanding player as voted on by the players themselves. The winner of that is Austin Matthews. And again, it should come as no surprise to anybody. Austin Matthews had the best regular season of any player in the league. Hands down, not even close, not even debatable. No argument for me. Like okay, fantastic. Yeah, so I it, mean that's it, it, you, everything you said is accurate. Yeah, it, it is. You're talking about a guy that scored 60 goals, zero empty netters, missed nine games. Like Austin Matthews, ridiculous season, an absolute phenomenal season for Austin Matthews. Then we move to the Norris Trophy in arguably the closest race of the day. Kale McCarr wins his first Norris Trophy, slightly edging out Roman Yossi, the runner-up, by just 25 points in the voting. But Kale McCarr takes home his first Norris Trophy. I think there's a very strong, strong indication or push for Roman Yossi to win it this year. You put up the points that he did. He was exceptional. But the fact of the matter is, and I believe this to be true, it's not just points. It's also defending. Kale McCarr is the best defenseman in the league right now, hands down. You know what's crazy? Adam Fox won this award last year. He's probably never going to win mm-hmm. one again. And he's a phenomenal player. Mm-hmm. But but Kale McCarr yeah. is just so much better than every other defenseman right now. Like, I love Victor Hedman, and I've said for years that he's the best defenseman in the league. I no longer feel that way. Kale McCarr is the best defensive player in the league. It, he gets it done offensively. He's a, he's a very underrated defenseman. I think when we talk about playing defense, I mean, Roman Yossi had, had a phenomenal yeah. season as well. I'm not shocked it was that close, but I think this is... We are entering the reign of Kale McCarr when it comes to... Uh, Norris trophies because I have a feeling he's going to win quite a few. 
You know, it's interesting that you bring up Adam Fox because Adam Fox did finish fifth in the voting, 248 points. No first or second place votes, but he did receive four third place votes, 61 fourth place votes, and 45 fifth place votes. So Adam Fox did have a a reasonably good showing. Rounding out the top five, it was Charlie McAvoy, number four, just one first place vote for McAvoy. And then you had Victor Hedman in third, Roman Yossi in second, and Kale McCarr coming in first. So to me, I'm right there with you. I think that as a defenseman, he defends incredibly well. Um, And, you know, the fact of the matter is that's important. It, It is the best defenseman in the game. No point does the Norris Trophy say the best offensive defenseman. I understand why we look to automatically vaulting defensemen that have a ton of points up the rankings in, in these types of awards. But as far as an overall defenseman, as far as a guy that can control the puck, that can get out of his own zone by himself, that can defend incredibly well, it's Kale McCarr's time. And I just wonder how many he hangs them up with, right? Because I think that's the biggest question. When when you have a player that's as dynamic as Kale McCarr, you start to ask yourself, okay, he's coming into his own. He's determined to be one of the best, if not the best players in the game. So how many Norris trophies does Kale McCarr finish his career with? I think that's the question that we're at right now. That's the, the, the way this is trending. Not, oh, that's great, he's got one. It's how many more are yet to come? Well, uh, you know, there, there, there's a lot of guys who who he would have to uh, catch to to, to win um, the most all time. I mean, he's only got one. Bobby Orr won eight. Ray Bork, uh, I believe, won yeah. five. Nick Lidstrom seven. So uh, those are those are the guys that we are we we hold in high esteem as the best defenseman to ever play the game. I don't think it's yeah. out of the realm of possibility that Kale McCarr finishes somewhere in that four to six range. Uh, I mean, which would be absolutely phenomenal. Eight mm-hmm. is a lot. Eight eight is is a lot. You need to have a lot of things go right for a lot of years in order to win eight. Um, but I mean, look, there, there, there's a lot of guys who've only won a handful. Like uh, Chris Chelios won three. I say only. Paul Coffey won three. So, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that that he wins, that he passes those guys. I mean, he's only, what, 22, 23? He's a kid. He's got a long way to go before he he hangs him up. So, I think barring a massive injury, I don't even think Kale McCarr has hit his peak yet, which is absolutely terrifying. No. That's the part part to me that's just scary. The fact that... He hasn't peaked yet. He still has, I think, more in his game than what we've seen, which is which is scary to think that this guy who's already the best defenseman in the league is only going to get better. So now we move on to the Hart Trophy, the big one of the day, the one that I think that everybody was focused in on because for whatever reason, people in hockey have told you that it needs to go to Connor McDavid and nobody else. Well, it didn't go to Connor McDavid. Austin Matthews wins his first Hart Trophy, and he does it in a very, very, very large margin of victory. 1,630 points for Austin Matthews. Connor McDavid, the runner-up, with 1,111 points. 
Matthews' 119 first-place votes to Connor McDavid's 29. Igor Shosturkin rounds out the top three with 24 first-place votes and 738 points, followed by Johnny Goudreau. And in fifth place, Jonathan Huberdo, much to the chagrin of Alan Walsh. So <laughs> a couple of things to kind of parse through here. Uh, not a not a unanimous not a unanimous vote for Austin Matthews, but a pretty wide margin. Like I was expecting Matthews McDavid to come in kind of what we saw with McCarr and Yossi, where it's only 25, 30 points that separate the winner and the loser. But it was a margin of over 500 points on the ballots, and we're talking about a landslide in first place votes for Austin Matthews. Again, it it begs the question of when you are an elite player your standards are different than everybody else and i'm going to i'm going to kind of give give the overview here like this now austin matthews baseline has moved up so if austin matthews scores 55 goals next year i don't think he's going to be in the running for the hart trophy Right? If Austin Matthews slips off of what he was able to do this year, he's not going to win another Hart Trophy in the same way that Connor McDavid slipped this season and did not win. Now, the baseline for Austin Matthews, the, 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 the level that he has to play at to be elite and to get himself into the conversation for the Hart Trophy is a season like this. And I don't know how many more he's got. I don't know if he's going to be able to replicate this. I don't know. But that's the standard that now Austin Matthews is going to be judged against. Not against his peers, not against everyone else on the Leafs, not against what Connor's doing or what Dreisaitl's doing, not against any of it. But the fact that Austin Matthews had this caliber of a season to win the Hart Trophy, it just means he's got to get there or it extremely close to it to be back here to be competing for this individual award yeah i don't i don't have a problem with that either because once you set the standard you now Mm -hmm. those now become expectations and the expectations the bar gets raised a little bit when you hit a certain point i don't know how austin matthews follows this up i mean I, i i we had the conversation in the break if he didn't win it this year, what more would he have needed to do in order to win it? Because it would have been ridiculous yeah. if he didn't win it. Um, yeah, you're, you're you're right. If he has 55 goals next season, that's probably not enough. Because it, no, it, mean, it, it's it, not. And and we hold, and rightfully so, we, we hold elite athletes to elite standards. And it, it's it's the guy's definitely not a one-season wonder, but I'm sure that he's not satisfied with just winning the Hart Trophy. Like, I would imagine Austin Matthews, when he goes home at night, he hates the fact that he got knocked out in the first round. So maybe that's something he focuses on more, making sure that that doesn't happen. How? I don't know. Like, I don't know what more he could have done to help his team not not be in the situation they were in. But I, I, I'm totally fine with that. I, I want to see our best players have best the best seasons every single season like I don't want to see guys like McDavid slip I don't want to see guys like Matthew slip because they're ambassadors for the game and they're the ones who are held again whether rightly or wrongly with the responsibility of bringing in new fans 
bringing in more more fans to watch the game. And when you're able to market a player like Austin Matthews, comes from Arizona, born in California, raised in Arizona, plays in the biggest hockey market in the country, when you can market a guy like that, that's important to, to the suits. That's important for us because it helps us bring in new fans as well. So mm-hmm. I, I have zero issue with, with him being held to a much higher standard, just like I have zero issue with McDavid. I think what, what kind of separates the two, I think Austin Matthews has a little bit more personality, at least that he shows. <laughs> and when, when you're talking from a, from a strictly marketing standpoint, you could put Austin Matthews in commercials and it'll look natural. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if you could do that with McDavid. And maybe, maybe he's got this personality that we never really see. And maybe if he was in a lot of commercials selling products... Maybe maybe we'd see that a little bit more, but I'm getting away from from the point here. But I'm I'm with you. I I I want these guys to have look. It's it's the case with Shosturkin too. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. now going to be held to a higher standard. Makar, he's going to be held to a higher standard, and 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 that's fine. I'm fine with that, and I I think it, people listening are probably fine with that as well. We want to see these guys be elite. And the the problem is that the McDavid fans will tell you that no one else is being held to that standard. Well, it's going to happen to Austin Matthews. It, it's happened to Leon Dreisaitl, right? Like, Leon Dreisaitl won a Hart Trophy by being absolutely elite out of his mind. And Leon Dreisaitl hasn't been a finalist since because he hasn't been to that level since it, it just it just is it that that is the that is the proof so when it comes to mcdavid when it comes to austin matthews and next season when it comes to end of season awards like the fact of the matter is if matthews and mcdavid are not continuing to push the pace up and up and up and up then there's going to be new people involved in the heart trophy conversation it's just a fact they are going to be held to higher standards and what austin matthews winning the heart does is it vaults him into the same stratosphere as Connor mcdavid it means that when you view those two players you have to view them on a sliding scale you have to kind of change the perception with which you look at those two guys and it's unfair sure but now Connor McDavid isn't in a world of his own. Connor McDavid isn't the only guy being unfairly judged because he's been so dominant and so good. Because Austin Matthews, from a goal-scoring perspective, has been every bit as dominant as Connor McDavid has been since coming into the league. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned some of these other guys because what did Johnny Goudreau need to do to be a finalist? He finished fourth. I mean, he had 115 points. He was like what plus 60 something in, in, in plus minus. Yeah. The guy had the guy absolutely in every sense of the word had a heart trophy caliber season, and he wasn't even a finalist. Mm-hmm. So if these guys fall off, and Johnny Goudreau has a season similar to what he had this year, all of a sudden he's in the conversation. If Huberto is able to repeat what he did, and I know. Not neither one of Come us are, on. are, are big Come fans of, of secondary Jonathan assists. Jonathan Huberto, but Chadman, Chadman, <laughs> stop right there. Stop right there. There's a reason Jonathan Huberto was not a finalist for the Hart Trophy, and I guarantee you, if he has the exact same season next year, he won't be a finalist then too. No, he's he, going to have to he, up his game. He was not even the best player or the most valuable player on his team. No, that's Barkov. Yes. Yeah. Who was hurt for for, for some of the season? But I, 
I, I, I don't have a problem, again, with, with these guys being held. Um, Goudreau had a phenomenal season, not a finalist. Does mm-hmm. he have does he have to have a better season next year to, to be in the conversation if if McDavid and and, and Matthews have similar seasons? Maybe. I, I, I do I mean, find it depends, really interesting right? with like, Dreisidel though. Because you mm-hmm. could look at his numbers well, this year and you could say he had a better season this year than he did the year he won. Wasn't but it wasn't, wasn't good driving enough. the bus. Yeah, exactly. Right? Not, he wasn't driving enough. the bus. Dreisidel Dreisidel won that heart trophy because Connor McDavid got hurt. Yeah. Like Full disclosure, that is the reason Leon Dreisaitl won, because he was able to put numbers up without Connor McDavid. And and the biggest question mark that surrounds Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in trying to determine how dynamic or, or how elite they are or whether or not they are the best players in the world is what do they do away from one another? Because there hasn't really been a long stretch of time since they both came into the league, where they have been separated. And when you saw it kind of with, with Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby, right? Like Evgeny Malkin won heart trophies because Sidney Crosby was injured and Malkin absolutely carried the Pittsburgh Penguins. You saw Leon Dreisaitl carry the Edmonton Oilers in a period of time when Connor McDavid was injured. And he won a Hart Trophy. But he has not been the driver. It's hard to argue that he is even even close to the driver when you look at what Connor McDavid does on a nightly basis. But, but... Leon is viewed in that echelon, so when he's not being the driver and he's not having as as dynamic of a season or he's not doing it away from Connor McDavid, he's penalized for it because he's had an elite year where he has been the guy. Yeah, it's funny because Dreisaitl, the season he won the heart was 2019-20. That was the shortened mm-hmm. season due to COVID. Yep. He had 12 mm-hmm. less goals that season, but he had 12 more assists. Exactly 110 points. Now, this year, mm-hmm. he was a plus 17. That year, he was a minus 7. That season, 16 power play goals. This season, 24. So the case could be made. This season was actually better for Leon Dreisaitl than it was 2019-20. Yet, he wasn't even in the top five. Like, what does that tell you? The guys around him have gotten... Everyone wants to... Yep. They, they, Everyone's gotten better. They've upped their game. Mm-hmm. Not to say yeah, that hundred percent. You know, McDavid's season this year or was I didn't realize that career highs in in goals and assists for him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we still have a higher expectation when it comes to points total, which is which is crazy. But when you set the bar and you have the season that he had last year in the shortened season, we expect more. It's unfortunate for him, but we just expect more. How much do you think this bothers McDavid? Um, I think he's more bothered by the fact that they got swept by the Avalanche. <laughs> but I, I you think I, so. Huh? I don't. I don't think he's gonna go home and 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 just be like, oh well, I I I lost. I think he's. I think it's gonna drive him. And I I I I don't think I'm going out on a limb here when I say it because I'm I'm sure there's a lot of people that will agree with me. I think Connor McDavid is gonna have a phenomenal. 22-23 season, maybe better than this season, which is what we want. We want to see that. Okay. Do you think that he'll uh, he'll win the scoring race just by virtue of his assists? No, no, absolutely not. Okay. But All right, that's fine. If, uh, if he does do that, if he does do that, 
hand him the damn trophy. Hand him the trophy. If okay. he does that, just give him the trophy. Can we can we put a bow on the NHL awards? Or do you have anything else? No, like, no. I do you want to. You say know what? I, I I there was something that that um the Nadelkovich. I, I I know we brought it up, but it bothers me that he got a vote. <laughs> like, yeah, you know what? I, I did want to circle back to that. Uh, you're you're right. Like, <laughs> Alex Nadelkovich getting even a fifth place vote, and it was a fifth place vote, but it was a vote for Calder for the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year. I I don't understand. I don't get why that's even allowed in these situations. Like getting to vote for the NHL awards is a privilege, right? It is a privilege. And I just don't understand any sound reasoning or logic why you as a voter, as a member of the PHWA, the Pro Hockey Writers Association, I don't get how you can legitimately put Alex Nedeljkovic on a ballot for called for the Calder Trophy after the season that he had. Chris Chapman, please tell me two goaltenders that had better years than Alex Nedeljkovic. Okay, now both of them played less games. They split time. In the same okay. in the same city, but both Craig Anderson and mm-hmm. Dustin Tokarski, both of the mm-hmm. Buffalo Sabers, had better seasons than them. Tokarski had a better goals against average. Granted, <laughs> wins were were half of what Nadelkovich had, but Nadelkovich was twenty and twenty four. <laughs> like it's not like it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. His goals against average was. 47th best in the league. You want to know who's in that neighborhood? Martin Jones, Kevin Lankinen, and, uh, well, a lot, a lot of guys who really aren't that good. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's mind blowing. The person who voted for Alex mm-hmm. Nedeljkovic should have to come out mm-hmm. and defend why they voted for Alex Nedeljkovic. I don't care if it's only a fifth place vote. It, the, if if you are tasked with voting for these awards, you need to take it serious. Mm-hmm. And I don't know in what world I agree. you 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 can vote for a guy who was forty seventh best in goals against average. Mm-hmm. His uh, um, save percentage was barely nine hundred. It was point nine zero one. Like in what world is that good? In what world is that good? No, I mean his. Th- his 3.31 goals against average is, is pretty solid to Chapman. Like, here's here's my issue with it. Uh, number one, like, Nadelkovich is still a rookie at 26. Like, you can kind of take issue with that if you want to. Uh, goaltenders are a little bit different in that, in that regard. Uh, but last year with Carolina Hurricanes, age 25, 2020-21, in 23 games, Alex Nedeljkovic went 15-5 and 3 with a 9.32 save percentage and a 190 goals against average. Like when you regress so badly, <laughs> and I get it, Carolina very, very different than Detroit. But when you regress to the point of being below league average. You have no business being put on the ballot for best rookie of the year. You just don't. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it it's it's mind blowing. Like it 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 absolutely blows me away that someone with a straight face 
could vote for that guy for for the mm-hmm. caller trophy. Like I I just don't quite understand it. Now, like I don't know where Spencer Knight finished in that, but if, if he even got votes, because he only played four games last season, he played thirty two this year, and by comparison. His goals against was 2.79, and his save percentage was a little bit better than Nedeljkovic. But I wouldn't vote for mm-hmm. for for Spencer Knight for Rookie of the Year, despite the fact that I think he had a much better season than Nedeljkovic. He he had 20, uh, 19 wins and nine losses. So in in his starts, he won more games, uh, or or if you average it out. So so like I I just don't understand it. Like why why. I understand it's a, it's only a fifth place vote, but why are you voting for that guy? Was it a mistake? Like, was it an accident? Did you accidentally I, click his name? That, I mean, that's the only logical reason. Right? I feel like I feel bad trashing trashing Nadelkovic. I mean, because I feel like that's kind it, of what not, we're doing. It's not about Nadelkovic, but it, no, it's not. It's not about Alex Nadelkovic. It's about the the writer, the person that voted for him. Like, have a little bit more respect for the job. Yes. Right? I, like, that's that's the only thing. Because you and I, we don't get a vote. No. Right? No. But, like, I, I can guarantee you right now, if I had a vote for Calder, no way in hell Alex <laughs> Nadelkovich is getting on there. Because I have too much respect for the job being done. And, like, this is the thing. Like, there's, there's so many instances over the course of the years where you want to be cute, Right with your with your selection, you want to sneak in a guy or whatever the case may be. Like it just comes off so so ridiculous when you have a player that is undeserving of being on the ballot. And I am sorry, I know I'm not piling on Alex Nedeljkovic here. I'm not trying to. The only reason he's being brought up as a topic in this is because the person that voted for him failed to do their job full stop there's no reason no logical legitimate reason you put a goaltender on the rookie of the year ballot that had as bad of a season as Alex Nadelkovich did yeah I mean it, none by and just to, to kind of emphasize this point there's only five other goalies in the in the entire NHL who lost more games than Alex Nadelkovic that right there tells you everything you need to know. Only five goalies in the entire league lost more games than him this season. Nobody nobody is handing Philip Grubauer any awards for his season. Nobody's giving Carter Hart <laughs> awards for his season. It, 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 just, it just blows me away. Like, nobody's voting for Carter Hart for an award. Like, I just don't understand it. And I, don't, I, I feel bad kind of trashing the guy. But, yeah, you know what? He did regress. His numbers last year were phenomenal. Vote for him last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He played 23 games. Yeah. If, if, if voting for Alex Nadelkovich is that important to you, then you should have voted for him last year. Like I, I, I just, I just don't um, understand how, how you can conceivably vote for him for anything. Yeah, that that we'll we'll leave it there because I think I'm I'm going to choose violence a little bit more, and I don't I don't want to get us thrown off the air. So let's take a break. When we come back, we got one timers, and we'll finish it off with catching up with Chapman. 
maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insiders Show. One-timers brought by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee. Our look around the NHL, league news and notes, little tidbits here and there. Of course, the NHL awards have concluded the big winners of the day. Certainly Austin Matthews, not just winning the Ted Lindsay Award, the first Leaf to do that, but also winning the Hart Trophy over Connor McDavid and Igor Shesterkin. Don't feel too badly for Igor Shesterkin, though. He did win the Vesna Trophy, so good on him there. And Kale McCarr slightly edges out Roman Yossi for the Norris Trophy. Marit Sider, the other big winner, as he takes home the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year. Despite a furious, furious try for Alex Nedeljkovic to unseat the great Moritz Sider. So, I'm still not over it. I'm still <laughs> not over the Nedeljkovic thing. Like, I, I want to try to move on. I'm trying really, really hard to move on from it. And I just, I cannot do it. Um, are, are you... Are you surprised by any of the of the winners? Like, did anything really stand out to you? Do you feel like anybody got robbed in this uh, in this year's awards, Chapman? No, no, I I, I don't think so. Um, you know, at least for the big ones. I mean, I, it's not shocking that that the Selkie, which was handed out earlier this this uh, mm-hmm. playoff season, went to the guy that they probably should name the award after. I, I don't think there's any controversy there. Um, I don't really know how many people are get worked up over the Lady Bing, so I don't I don't think that's one that's going to create any controversy, regardless of who wins it. Um, no, I, I I think the rightful winners were were the rightful winners. There's no there's no shock, there's no upset. I'm sure a couple guys maybe feel like they should have done better, but I I don't have any issue with anybody who who won. I I don't know how you'd argue otherwise. Yeah, it, it's deserving winners and and that to me is is kind of the the nuts and bolts of it so that's that's the bow we are putting on the nhl award so uh let's shift gears and chat briefly about the tampa bay lightning their big victory over the colorado avalanche in game three of the stanley cup final six to two the final score tampa cuts the series lead to two to one who has more pressure in game four, is it Tampa or Colorado? Um, I, th- I think Tampa, because I'll stand really? by I stand by what I said yesterday. I don't think if they go down three games to one that they can win two games in Colorado. I I, I just don't mm-hmm. think they can. And it sounds so stupid for me to discount Tampa, but I just mm-hmm. think Colorado is something else at home that winning one there is an accomplishment. Winning two games there would be a Herculean effort. I like that word, by the way, Herculean. Uh, so, so I, I, I do feel like if Tampa's going to win the series, they need to win tomorrow night because then you only need to win one game in Colorado, and I think that's doable. I think that's feasible because if they win tomorrow, they seem to get on a roll when they win a couple games in the playoffs, like we saw it in mm-hmm. in the Rangers yep. series, we saw it in Toronto, we saw it against Florida. If they, if they start to get comfortable and they start to win a couple games in a row, it's really hard to slow that momentum down because it feels like the whole team feeds off of it. Vasilevsky just goes into shutdown mode. 
What's going to be interesting is if he's in an elimination game and they're actually down in the series to Colorado, I'll be real, real curious to see the performance he puts in. But I do think the pressure's on Tampa tomorrow because I'll, for, for the reason that I said multiple times, I just don't think they can win two games in Colorado. I think the pressure's on the Colorado Avalanche. They don't want to go back to Colorado tied up 2-2. Two to two. They don't. Yeah, and that's because not... Because the not, last time the... That's not to say that there's the no, time, no pressure on, on Colorado. Mm, I just think there's more in Tampa. Sure. I think all the pressure's on Colorado. Frankly, I do. I, Colorado hasn't been in a position... They have not been in the situation where they have been up two games to none on an opponent and had that opponent even the score the way that the Vegas Golden Knights did in round two last year. So you want to talk about getting through your past mistakes? That is doomsday scenario for the Colorado Avalanche. So I think they can overcome it, sure. But all the momentum would be on the side of the Tampa Bay Lightning. They would know that there are seeds of doubt being planted for the Colorado Avalanche. All the pressure in the world is for Colorado to go out and win this game, answer immediately, because they do not want to be in a position where the where the Tampa Bay Lightning have won two straight, going to Colorado and potentially pushing Colorado to the brink of elimination. They don't want that. They don't want that. You want as many opportunities as you possibly can have to eliminate the Tampa Bay Lightning. So in my estimation, in my opinion, the Colorado Avalanche have to play their best game of the playoffs tomorrow night in Game 4. They have to. Because all the pressure is on them to close it out, and they need as many chances, as many kicks at the can as they can get there. I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Um, I, I, I... It's it's such a pivotal game for a variety yeah. of reasons. Like this series is, is so big because we we've got two just heavyweights slugging it out, and the last two games haven't been close. Game one was great, but games two and three kind of eh, as far as at least having an interest. After that first period, it was it was all Tampa. So, uh, yeah. I do think there's pressure on Colorado, certainly for the for the reasons you laid out. But mm-hmm. I think this is just one of those situations where if Tampa goes down three games to one, we're we're we're, we're for for the reasons you outlined, Colorado would mm-hmm. would want to win mm-hmm. tomorrow. I think it's every reason why Tampa does not want to lose tomorrow because you don't want to give I that that Tam- one team multiple I, chances to knock you out. I think Tampa believes they'll win down three to one. I do. Like I I don't think Tampa believes they're going to lose at all. Regardless of what the circumstance was. Like if Colorado won last night, I think Tampa believes wholeheartedly they'll win in 7. I just do. Like they they just they have that air about them. So I I don't think any deficit really phases the Tampa Bay Lightning at all anymore. You know, it's I don't. it's funny because I look at this game and I know we generally look at game five when a series is tied at two to go this direction. But I think the team that wins tomorrow night wins the series. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree with you there. I, I think it's the most pivotal game in the series right now. Period. 
the way that it set up, how good Colorado looked, how great Tampa looked last night, how out of sorts uh, Colorado seemed to me. I, I just I don't know. I, I think that you're right on the money there, though, Chapman, that the winner of Game 4 is likely going to be the winner of the Stanley Cup, the winner of the series. The Golden Knights have signed Daniil Mirmanov, defenseman Daniil Mirmanov, to a two-year contract extension, $762,500 average annual value. So Mirmanov gets a new contract. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see where Mirmanov is on the depth chart for Vegas going into next season. But the fact of the matter is, given the year that the Golden Knights had this season, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see depth be challenged once again. You never know with injuries and whether or not Daniil Mirmanov can make an impression on new coach Bruce Cassidy. Yeah, I think what, we, what we've learned is the team likes him um, because... He, he kind of became a, a little bit of a, of a preseason legend last season. Nobody had really ever heard of him. And then all of a sudden, the guy's scoring goals left and right. Got the call to play in Vegas. What, what interests me about this signing is what does it mean for the future of Dylan Coughlin, an RFA? Mm-hmm. Does that mean that maybe they, they've decided that based on their circumstances that they feel a little more confident and, and it's a little more feasible to have Mir Manoff? No, I didn't see if it was a, if it was a two-way deal or not. I'm assuming it is, but I, I didn't see for sure. Uh, but but again, it, it really makes me wonder what what their thinking is when it comes to Dylan Coughlin because he's a guy who certainly can play in the league, but cap restraints and cap circumstances kind of limit what you're able to do. And you have a couple of RFAs that you want to resign. Is Dylan Coughlin does he now become the odd man out because they decided to go with Mir Manoff? It'll be yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening for uh, the Vegas Golden Knights in terms of their their defensive core next year. I think it's pretty well taken care of, but you know, I still believe there's another move to be made in the off season to continue to to build a little bit of, of flexibility with the salary cap. There's a lot of different directions you can go. As we chatted yesterday with Danny Webster, you can go down the middle. You can go from the back end. And I think that there are ways to do it that make sense all the way around and and can strengthen the team. But I'm very curious to see what Kelly McCrimmon has in store as we move further and further into the offseason. Here's an interesting story that I want to dive into a little bit. Uh, The Carolina Hurricanes have granted... Pending restricted free agent Ethan Bear permission to speak with other teams on a potential contract extension. Carolina still hopes to get a deal done, but the two sides, Carolina and Ethan Bear, are not close. So, Ethan Bear is going to go out there. He's going to find out what his market value is with other teams. And then Carolina is going to determine whether or not it makes sense to try to match some of those contracts, come a little bit closer in contract negotiations, or they're going to allow more or less Ethan Bear to sign an offer sheet and they're probably not going to match it. Like, what the heck is going on in Carolina? Yeah, I, I don't understand this because let's, let's rewind to uh, last summer. They traded Warren Fogle for Ethan yep. Bear. Warren yep. Fogle had a, had a pretty good season for the Edmonton Oilers. Yes. 
Yep. I don't understand why you give up Warren Fogle if you're only mm-hmm. using Ethan Bear as a one-year rental. And by the way, this is a team last season that also went out and signed a player to an offer sheet. So I, I they, they, they went out and they signed Jesperi Kotkaniemi to an offer sheet, yep. and they had to give up assets. So I don't understand what what they're doing, especially, and, and I like Ethan Bear. I think he's a good young defenseman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand why you make the move to acquire him if you have no intention on re-signing him. What, why are you letting him walk? I, I, I don't get that. And I'm, I'm not sure what the market will, will dictate the value for Ethan Bear is, but he's a young guy. He, he, he's, still, he's only a couple of years in the league. Uh, good young player, good young defenseman. So I, I, I just, it, it's hard for me to understand why, why you do that. Did he become expendable when they went out and they got Tony D'Angelo? Like, is that the plan? I, I they're two totally I, different style playing defensemen. Sure, yeah. But and one, one plays defense. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. One doesn't have the off the ice stuff it, either. To me, it doesn't make any sense. Like, for the reasons that you bring up, why are you spending an asset in Warren Fogle to get a player for just a season? Like, I don't know how high the ask is from Ethan Bear. And you know what? Maybe, maybe it's just an opportunity for Carolina to say, "Okay, you think you're a four million dollar player? Go find a team. Go find a team." And maybe it kind of brings Ethan Bear's request down into a more manageable stratosphere. But you're playing with fire because I think that is a good enough young player that still has room to grow that you risk a team jumping in and swooping him. And now you've lost a good serviceable player, too, in that regard with Warren Vogel. Maybe the compensation gets you back what you want, but it's not going to be exponential like I don't think it's going to be a seven or eight million dollar average annual value for Ethan Bear we're talking about four four and a half I just don't think it makes any sense to go through these hoops when you could possibly lose the player when that's the type of player that you need yeah by the way Ethan Bear coming off his entry-level contract he his AAV last year was right around 800,000 sure you're gonna have to pay a little bit more than that but is it something where you're going to break the bank? Is it, is it something where you're going to put yourself in, in a horrible cap situation? This is a team that's $20 million under the salary cap. So I, I it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense yeah, to me. It, it, it's baffling, baffling stuff. Those are your one-timers. Brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee for today, Tuesday, June 21st. We are back to wrap it up next. Catching up with Chapman. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. All right, Ryan. Well, yesterday we said uh, that I was going to celebrate my Father's Day last night, having uh, dinner with my my mom and my wife and son. We were going to go to an Indian restaurant. We went to a place called Mint, which is uh, right on the corner here, Flamingo and Durango. Very, very good food. Um, maybe the best Indian food I've had in Vegas. But it got me thinking... Like, I don't know if if there's a cuisine, because I, I, I do enjoy Indian food, but I don't eat it enough. Like, I probably should eat it more, because I like it that much. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know if there's a, a cuisine that is maybe more underrated 
than Indian food because when you look at the menu in an Indian restaurant, if you're a vegan, there's a ton of options. If you're just a vegetarian, yeah. there's a ton of options. If you like spice, there's a ton of options. I just think like it's a, it's something that's maybe kind of gets lost as far as like really underrated cuisines that when we go out to eat, like it doesn't generally just come to the top of my head. But when I eat it, man, I really, really like it. Yeah, I mean, Indian food's really, really good. Like, it, there's there's a lot of flavor. There's a lot, as, as you mentioned, of options. Versatility is, is really the main thing for me when it comes to Indian food. Uh, I'm with you, though. Like, I, underrated is a good word. There's not much I won't eat. I love food. I love all types of food. Uh, but I'm glad to hear that you had a good day yesterday.